last week. And, uh, every time I listen to him, I appreciate what God's given him. And thank you, Pastor Jen, for opening for us last week, and Joey, encouraging you before Pastor Frank preached last week. I appreciate everyone using their gifts. We're talking about we are the church, and we've looked into the church being the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Sometimes those two analogies are hard to see. The body of Christ, I mean we can touch each other and say that we're the body uh, of Christ. We did not have, as the disciples had, the privilege of seeing Jesus in his physical body on the earth. But we learned two weeks ago that we are the exact representation or or image of Christ's body in the earth in the same reality that he was when he was here. We are the bride of Christ. Sometimes that's difficult even for some of us men to realize that we are a bride because we receive the seed, which is the word of God. But I believe today as we look at the family, it's, it's more of a picture that we can understand. It's something that we see. It's something that we are all a part of. Our family units all look differently. Sometimes family is a single person, either by choice, by chance, or by death. So we have widows and widowers in our church. We have people who have been divorced and are single now. We have blended families, joined families. We have family with children. children. We have grandparents raising children. All of our family units look differently, but we understand what a family looks like. I did a wedding yesterday, starting a family. Lots of different ways that we can look at family, but it, sometimes it gives us a better picture uh, of the church. Uh, yes, we are the body of Christ, and he's the head. Yes, we are the bride of Christ. But when we talk about being a family, hopefully it will give us a better picture of who we are. Now, we've used the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia is, we learned, a group of people that are called out or summoned out of their home to gather in a central location to discuss kingdom principles in order to change their city. It's how we rule and reign with him. We're not just ruling and reigning with him to say that we rule and reign with him. We're ruling and reigning with him now in the earth so that things can change. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall this morning and dragging Joe, but we're going to be all right. Uh, the ecclesia also is those who are called out and separated as the bride of Christ. We're just in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what that separation there is. Not separating ourselves from the people. We are just not of the world, but we are in the world. And we can also see that Ecclesia is an eternal family comprised of all believers who are united under him as part of the body. Now, I, I typed out a bunch of notes last night. Lisa and I left here probably 7 o'clock last night. She was cleaning. She said, you're done already? Because usually I'm not done when we leave here. But yeah, I was done until I got in the office this morning and wrote down a bunch of other things that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying. So I'm going to be going between my notebook and my notes because I feel like there's some things that Holy Spirit wants you to understand 
as being a part of the family of God. God is our Father, and this and in this family we are His children. Have you ever heard the term, the phrase, "We are the children of God"? Well, that means you were birthed as Jesus was birthed, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Mary physically carried him in her womb, we were birthed from the side of Jesus. Blood and water flowed from the cross. The church was birthed, and you were born into the family of God, and therefore you are children of God. Diverse, because there are many ethnicities, many social backgrounds, political backgrounds, uh, economical backgrounds, we all come from a, we've got to get an American Western culture view of the family and the body of Christ out of our minds. It is global. So there's all types of backgrounds that are brought in, but we are all the children of God. Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 16 and 17, says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, I like this, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Paul backs that up in Galatians and he says, So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, he has made you an heir. We are heirs of God with Christ. What is an heir? Let's look at the screen. It's one who inherits or is entitled to succeed the possessions of any property after the death of its owner. God, the, the scripture tells us that Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. God gave Jesus all of the benefits, all of the riches that were of heaven, it said the fullness of God dwelt in him bodily. Had a conversation with a priest this week. I can't tell you the, the denominational name, but it's a sect that broke off from Catholicism. And one of the reasons that they broke off was they believed that their priest could be married. So he's married. There's traditional Catholicism in it. But he said that the other reason that they broke off was their denomination didn't believe that God was fully that Jesus was fully God. He was only half God and half man. And I just had to say, but but the scripture says that all of the fullness dwelt in him bodily. Can I tell you something? This may shock you, and it may be a shock to your system, but all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. I mean, if he gave all that was given to him, he gave to us. And we are now heirs of everything that Christ had. See, it's hard for our minds to conceive when we've been taught so long that we're unworthy. And when you believe you're unworthy, then you don't believe that you have it. But when you begin to believe that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you, and then it begins to function and operate under the guidance and the operation of the family or the kingdom of God. You are his child and you, have, you are receiving an inheritance. 
I know we've said it over and over and over again, but as children, yesterday, this I know this is hard to believe, but my oldest turned 28. Mary turned 28. She is our continues to be our miracle child. When she was born, she got stuck, shoulder dystocia, in ICU, praying, praying in tongues. The doctors and nurses were looking at me with bright, wide-eyed open because I was praying in tongues right there in the labor room. But she was our miracle then. Two years ago, God spared her in a horrible car accident. She's recovered quickly. I'm a father. I love my children. I want to give everything I can to my children. I want them to succeed. I want them to have it better than I had it. And I'm a carnal. How much more does your Father in heaven want to give you good gifts? And he's not withholding those things from you. It's not a out, I love what Lisa says, it's not delayed and it's not distant. It's not somewhere out there that if you do certain things or when you die, you'll get something. It's because Jesus, the firstborn, has already died so that many sons could come to glory and have the fullness of the Godhead dwell in them. That's a foreign concept in the church today, that you have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you as children of God. Why? Because you are an heir with Christ, and everything that he had, you now have. That's good stuff right there. God, your Father, is in the redemption business. Whatever your experience within the family I encourage you to continue on in the family of God. Let your experiences and definitions be rescued. I have to put my glasses on to read my own writing. Be rooted in the love of Christ and established in grace. What happens when we have family conflict, we begin to define the family of God and our experiences within the family of God by those conflicts instead of letting them be rooted, our definition of family and our experiences with the family should be rooted in love and established in His grace. If they're not, when those conflicts arise, then we've talked about church hurt. We told you how to get over that church hurt. Has anybody been ever been hurt by a family member? In your, your biological family, has anybody ever been hurt? The whole work of redemption has this in view. Are you ready? This is what redemption has in view. A vast family where all members look increasingly like their older brother. The church isn't like a family. I'm not giving you a metaphor today. The church is a family. It's an eternal family. We can't think of God outside of his fatherness. And we shouldn't think of the church outside of family. And we all have the same father. In biblical terms, the people in the seats around you right now are your family. Can I go out on a limb and go a step further? The people that are in the world around you are part of the family. Again, a foreign concept. They just don't realize 
that the same God that died for you through Jesus is the same God that died for them and God was the Father was in Christ and he reconciled them to himself. They just haven't reconciled themselves to that realization and that reality. Like the members of our biological family, we haven't chosen them for ourselves, but they have been chosen for us by the Father. How were you born? How was I born into the right family? There was a relationship that took place, and when that relationship took place, then there was a seed that was planted. That seed began to grow. When that seed came to full maturity, it was birthed. It's exactly the way you and I were born into the family of God. When they did blood tests, they could tell who my father was. There wasn't any doubt about it anyway. But when they did a blood test, they could tell by the blood that I was, in fact, genealogically, biologically, my father's child. Do you know how we know that you... And I are children of God because you've been bought with a price. You've been purchased, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, with his blood. And then Ephesians 2.19 says it this way. I, I like this. Passion translation. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones. Remember how Jesus said you were sitting on a hill? That couldn't be hid. So you are children of that city with the holy ones. With, with all. Somebody say all. All the rights as family members of the household of God. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are family members in the household of God. Let's look at that word household in the Greek. It means belonging to a house or family related by blood. The Greek uses the word kindred, but we'd say kinfolk. How are we kin? We're kin by the blood. We're related by the blood. In the Greek culture, the word referred to the line of descent from a father to a son from generation to generation. God the Father has been birthing children since the beginning of time and it's been from generation to generation and He is our Father and He is a good, good Father. A misconception that has caused the church to operate in dysfunction is we don't have a correct view of who the Father is. And because we don't have a correct view of who the Father is, then we don't treat one another properly. I would prefer, this is me, I would prefer to use the term unhealthy patterns because I believe the family of God is functioning. We're not a dysfunctional functioning. We just have some unhealthy patterns that have entered in. Some of these are obvious in our family dynamics as well uh, in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, there are some dynamics that have caused unhealthy patterns in the family.
because the body of Christ, his bride, our family is functioning. But here are some of the unhealthy patterns. See if you can relate or have uh, experienced any of these. A leader who tells you what to believe and how to think. That's unhealthy. It's okay for Scott to think differently than I think. And for us to still be family members and blood brothers and operate in the kingdom of God and the family of God. What happens when you believe in unhealthy patterns, uh, you begin to be told what to think and to believe. And if you go outside of thinking or believing the way the leader tells you to think or believe, then you are ostracized from the family of God. I've talked to some of you. I know that you have experienced that in other places, and I have repented of the times that I ministered in that way. When I was young and knew it all and would tell people that if you don't give certain percentages of your money, you're going to hell. What kind of preaching is that? You know why I did that? Because that's what I was told to believe. So I was indoctrinated and I knew what people told me to believe and I knew they believed that, but I didn't know why I believed that. So if you've been in that unhealthy pattern, take a deep breath of a sigh of relief. I will never tell you what to believe or how to think. I'll tell you how I believe and what I think. Maybe it will start you on a deeper dive, but that's an unhealthy pattern. Here's another one in the family that happens sometimes. Everybody else is wrong. I'm, on, I'm the only one that's right. And folks, if we don't lose our desire to be right, we won't learn things. And I want to keep growing and learning and stretching. But if I believe I'm right and everybody else is wrong, if you even come to me and give me an insight. If I'm right and I'm going to try to prove myself right and prove you wrong, I'll never grow. And so then we have unhealthy relationships. We don't set boundaries. And then people are controlled and manipulated. And that's witchcraft. And it's in the church, unfortunately. Any good you may be receiving is not worth it if you're being spiritually, physically, mentally, or emotionally abused. People, I've talked to people, I've experienced it, and I said, well, that, you know, I, I got this from them. I'm glad that I, but you're being abused. It, it's not worth being physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually abused just because you got a nugget from that. We, we begin to justify that. That is an unhealthy pattern in our lives, and it's called conflict within the family of God in the local church. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We sang about it this morning. It's not just a song. It's not just a scripture. We get to call him Daddy God. Why? Because we've not. he doesn't put fear on us. Your father has not given you the spirit of fear or timidity. He's given you the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That sound mind is the ability to make choices. And so if you're in any family dynamic where you are un 
able to be free to make your own choices, you're in a cult, not a family. That was pretty strong. <laughs> and if you're not free to ask the leaders within any family church questions without being ostracized or put down or cast away, I would get out. Lisa said you can come here and ask her questions anytime you want to ask her any questions. <laughs> because if you ask me, I'm going to say, let me ask Lisa. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> we are the image of God, his expression in the earth, so the family operates in love. Our behavior, please listen and watch this. Our behavior towards one another is how the image of the family of God is shaped and formed in the members that are outside right now looking in. We can call them unbelievers, the lost, the world. You can give it any verbiage you want, but those that are on the outside looking in right now, they're in their minds, the image of God the Father and the family of God is shaped and formed by the way that we treat one another as, as, as brothers and sisters. Do you agree with that? I mean, when the church looks, when the outside looks in at the church and sees arguments and disagreements and fighting and fussing, they form the image of who God is. And we are the exact representation, so we begin then to misrepresent who the Father really is towards them because of our behavior towards one another. I think that is really sound and good information that would we can use to check ourselves when we begin to, you know, when, I, when we talked about the bride, I said it's time for us from the pulpit to the pews to stop abusing the bride of Christ. I abuse the bride of Christ if I come to Jennifer and I start talking about Sarah. If I'm putting her in a bad light, putting her down, then I'm forming an image of the bride and the body of Christ to Jennifer who may not be operating within the family dynamics right now. and She's trying to make up her mind if she wants to be a part of it or not. And if I, being a part of the local body and bride of Christ, begin to down mouth somebody else. Let's say she's not even in the church here. She goes to the Nazarene church across the street. Or her husband pastors the Baptist church down the street. So I'm just being real practical about the family of God and how we treat one another. People are watching you. They're watching me. And they want to know if we really believe what we say we believe. It will come out. Because our behavior towards one another is how they're going to view the rest of the family. God's church, his family, is to do right by each other. Goodness is the goal. God is good, is he not? When he looked at man he had formed and created in his own image, he said it was very good. So if Goodness is our goal. Why is goodness our goal? Because it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance, to change their mind about who the Father is and what Jesus did for us. Are you tracking with me? So God is our Father. Jesus is the firstborn. 
many of brethren, our older brother. We are his sons. Acts 17.28 says that we are all his offspring. You see it on the screen? How many of us? All. Not just the ones gathered in church buildings today. We are all his offspring. That word offspring is the Greek word genos. It means family, the aggregate of many individuals of the same nature, kind, sort, or race. 1 Peter 2.9 says, now this is the mirror Bible. It's more than a, just a scripture. It's the commentary about the scripture when I used the mirror Bible. 1 Peter 2.9, talking about Genos, all his offspring. You are the proof of the authentic family. You testify to the original idea of the royalty of true priesthood after the order of Melchizedek is in parentheses. I didn't type it out there, but it's in parentheses in this. Because Jesus, Hebrews 11.7 says, or 7.11 says, that when there was a change in the law, there was also a change in the priesthood. And so under the old covenant, the priesthood was after the tribe of Levi. But our high priest is after the order of Melchizedek, and he is the tribe, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise. So we have a new priesthood, and that true, true priesthood, let me slow down. The priesthood was family-oriented. It flowed through the bloodline of Aaron, who was the first high priest, and you could only be a priest if you were born into the family of the Levites. Do you get that? That was under the Mosaic system under the law. When that changed, when did it change? At the cross. When a brand new covenant was cut and the blood of Jesus flowed and he fulfilled every point of the law so that that contract was fulfilled. It wasn't null and void. It was fulfilled in Christ. And now because the law was changing, we're not, there's not a law that keeps us. There's a love that we, there's not a law that we keep. There's a love that keeps us. And now we are all born after Christ and in Christ. And so now the priesthood has changed because the law changed. And now the priesthood, this authentic royal priesthood, true priesthood after Melchizedek is in the bloodline of Jesus. Therefore, I believe that after the cross, no one has been born in Adam. All have been born in Christ. I, I like, I love that. That just goes through me that we are all born. Why would Paul be able to stand up on Mars Hill and say we are all his offspring? Because all are born in Christ. Hmm. You are a perfect prototype of the mass of human race. In other words, don't look at all the evil that's going on. Look at those who believe they've been reconciled to God and they've reconciled their mind to that. That's the prototype that was in Christ that now we walk and believe in. You are the generation or the family 
who exhibit the conclusion of the prophetic, poetic thought of God that has come full circle. So the thought that he had has now come full circle. He's, Adam took a garden and turned it into a graveyard. Jesus came and took a graveyard and turned it back into a garden. So he has redeemed all of mankind. He has redeemed the whole earth. It's come full circle to his original plan and intent, and it's a family plan. Now, get a hold of this part now. You, the family, publish the excellence of his elevation and display that your authentic identity has been rescued out of obscurity and brought into his spectacular light. In other words, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, who is light. I like to think that the light, the spectacular light that we have stepped into, is not to expose any sin because it has been eradicated. It's to shine the light on that authentic family that he wants the world to see. It's just the perspective that I have. So when I walk in the light, as he is in the light, and I have fellowship with you, we have fellowship with one another, then the blood of Jesus that cleansed us from all unrighteousness is seen so that the world can recognize and realize that that same blood was shed for them and they too can walk in the light. Paul takes the rest, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Somebody can come to the music. He takes the rest, Peter takes the rest of chapter 2 to encourage us how to act as members of the family of God. You can read it when you get home. But he says your, your good conduct in the company of those not familiar with your beliefs will attract their attention and it will begin to disarm the rumors that they've heard about God's family. Did you get that? Your good conduct. In other words, there is behavior that is becoming of the family of God as sons of God. And when we walk in that light and we our good conduct then, in the company of those that are unfamiliar with our belief system, they begin to give attention to the way that you are acting and it disarms them about the rumors they've heard about God's family. We should reflect the lordship of Jesus in your life. If you'll turn attention to this for one second, you only have one Lord, and his name is Jesus, not Jamie. I'm not your Lord. I'm not coming to your house to open your refrigerator and cabinets and police things that are going on. You shouldn't let anybody do that. You have one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have a governor that lives on the inside of you called Holy Ghost. And if you will follow him, then your conduct and behavior will make the world pay attention to what the family of God should really look like. You know how else they see that? When we are esteeming each other higher than ourselves. That means that if I have a certain thing that I feel freedom to do, 
but it con conflicts the, with Scott's freedoms and it becomes a stumbling block to him. I'm going to prefer my brother over my own freedom. See, because if I have to prove to Scott that I'm free in that area, then I'm going to make it a stumbling block to him and then I'm not really free. Yes, you are free, but don't use your freedom in a way others may read it as a disguise for an evil agenda. You are spirit governing. These are defining moments for the family of God. It's a defining moment when our character is put on display as children of God to bring attention to the expressed image of God in the earth. See, that is such good news and that is good delivery because I could get up here and name all types of things that you shouldn't be doing as children of God and not hit anything that anybody is dealing with. But it's the big three, so I should mention it. You know, there's an activity that's going to take place in our community this week. I spoke to an individual that is helping put on that activity. And he thanked the church for giving them free publicity. He said, we haven't had to advertise. Church has done all the advertising for us. They've done it in such a way that they're coming against it. And it makes them feel like that the church is coming against them as people. If we would just love people and not show up with protest signs because the moment you put up a sign, you have put up a blockade that you are against them, they won't receive anything you have to say. Let's show up over there with waters and pop. Let's give it out to them. Let's have a tent for free hugs and prayer, not shoving anything down anybody's throat. But the church who is the exact representation of the Father in the earth is being misrepresented. That comes off as hatred and bigotry. Let me t Tell me what you are for, church. Tell me what you support. Tell me what, who you are for and not who you're against because in all reality, you will never reach who you're against. You can't. You can't reach them if you're against them. Here's the bottom line. We are all God's offspring. And if you're going to separate us and them, you're on the inside and they're on the outside, we can't reach them. I have to treat you. If I learned anything from, and some of you are watching that grew up in the same spiritual influence that I did, and we had a spiritual mentor who, mentor who told us, to treat everyone like they were in victory. Doesn't matter what their behavior is. It doesn't matter what their sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter whether intoxicated or non-intoxicated, addicted or not addicted. If we will treat everyone as if they were in victory. Well, I'm saying the same thing by saying that we are all his offspring. Let's treat each other like brothers and sisters. Would you stand with me, please?
our attitude in bearing insults we don't deserve reveals the grace of God to the ones ministering to us. And what, what I'm saying there is I probably will and you probably will as a part of Grace Life if you approach these th activities and people in a different manner will have insults hurled at you by religious folks who are really your brothers and sisters. So I can't take that and retaliate towards my brothers and sisters and then reach the ones that I'm trying to love who have not experienced the love and the goodness of God. So within and without, the attitude is the same, is that the family of God operates in love. I trust I haven't bored you. I trust that you've been receiving from the Lord today. The church is a gathering of God's children to be helped and fed. That was our intent this morning was to feed the family. Would you just begin to pray, worship, sing in the spirit, sing with understanding and just minister to the Lord. Let's see what he wants to say to us in the next moments.